Scripture reading is in the bulletin from 1 John 3, chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. This is the word of the Lord. A few years ago, a few years ago, I met a young man who had moved to New York City to pursue the dream of becoming an actor. And like a lot of people who do that, he found that it's really hard to break into that field. But he learned something that he could do to earn a little extra money to help pay the rent every month. He, he learned that there are certain television shows that are filmed in New York City where they will, they will pay you to be an extra on their set if you own your own police uniform. So certain shows, Law and Order would be a good example of this. Um, they often have scenes, maybe it's at the police station or at, a, at a, the scene of some crime, where in order for it to look realistic, they need to have a lot of people who look like cops, you know, kind of milling around in the background. So apparently, I think you have to be a member of the Actors Union, but apparently if you own your own police uniform, you can get hired by these shows to just sort of, uh, you know, stand around all day and look like a cop. Well, I was thinking about that the other day, and it dawned on me that to be on a show like Law and Order, whether you're just an extra or even a star of the show, to be on Law and Order, you don't actually have to be a police officer, right? I mean, they don't, they don't care if you graduated from the police academy. They don't care if you've been, been trained in the proper use of firearms. You don't have to know how to fill out a police report, anything like that. It, to be on a show like Law and Order, you don't have to actually be a cop. You just have to look like one. Now, the Bible tells us that that is not the way it is in the kingdom of heaven. In, in God's kingdom, it's not, it's not enough just to look like you're one of God's children. And, and you know, it, it is possible to look like it. It's kind of, if you know what I mean, it's possible to kind of come to church and put on your Put on your Christian uniform. You know, if you come to church long enough, you learn how to do that. You learn, you learn when you're supposed to stand, when you're supposed to sit, how to sing the songs, what are the right words to say. You learn the right moment in the song when it's appropriate to lift your hands in the air, right? You just, you kind of, and if you really want to fit in, you sign up for a ministry, you get very involved. So it, it's, it's possible, just like it is on a TV show, to look like something you're not. It's, it's possible to look like one of God's children and not be one. But the Bible makes clear that's not enough. Just looking like a, a child of God isn't, 
is not enough in the kingdom. And so Jesus very famously said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, he said this. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So it's not, it's not enough just to look like one of God's children. To, to be welcomed, to be welcomed someday into the kingdom of heaven, you have to be one. So what I want to do today, I want to ask just two very basic questions. The first is, how how do we know if we are really a child of God? How do we know if we really are God's children? And then secondly, what should we do if we discover that we are not? So how how do we know if we're one of God's children? This this summer we're studying the book of 1 John, which is an apostolic letter that was written to the early church. And the passage we're looking at today addresses that very question. How do we know who God's children are? And John tells us that this is a very important question for us to be asking for a couple of reasons. One reason he says it's important to ask this is because it's, it's easy to be mistaken about this issue. You'll notice in verse 7, he says, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. Another translation of the Bible says, Little children, let no one deceive you. So apparently, John understood that it is, it is easy to be deceived. It is easy to be mistaken about the true condition of our souls. You know, to think something that we're not, to, to get so good at kind of fitting in in church circles that we, we kind of assume that we're Christians when maybe we're, we're not one. So he says one reason why it's important to ask this question, how do I know if I'm a child of God, is because it's, it's easy to be mistaken on that. Another reason, he says, why it's important to ask this question is because according to John, not to be a child of God is to be a child of the devil. And that's, that's amazing what he says in verse 10. He says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. So according to this apostle, you are either one or you're the other. You're, you're, you're either a child of God, you're with God in his family, or you're in the, in the devil's family, right? Uh, that's, that's what he says. The devil, verse 8, he says, the devil who's been sinning from the beginning. The devil, same verse, whose work it is that the Son of God came to destroy. So John says, listen, it, it's one or the other. You either are a child of God or you're a child of the devil. And when I hear that, do you react this way? I feel like, man, is that, is that guy binary or what? I mean, how close-minded can you be? There's no shades of gray. You're, you're with God or you're with the devil. Where in the world did John learn to kind of view all of humanity as divided into these two distinct spiritual camps? Well, he learned, he learned to think this way from the teaching of Jesus. If you've read the four Gospels, you've read the parables, the teaching of Christ, uh, you know that Jesus consistently just divided all of humanity into two groups. He did not divide them into men and women. He did not divide them into Jew and Gentile. He did not divide them into, to, into the, the, the rich or the poor. No, those, those were not important distinctions for him. He divided all of humanity into, well, 
Here's some of the language he used. Remember these parables? Sheep, goats. Wheat, tares. The five wise virgins who are welcomed into the, to the, the feast of God. The five foolish virgins who are shut outside. He just, Jesus consistently described human, humanity that way. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you are either right now building your house on the rock that will withstand the storm of God's judgment, or he said, you're building your house on the sand where it will fall. He, he also said, you are right now either walking the narrow path that leads to life, or you are traveling the broad path that leads to destruction. So Jesus just... He, I wonder what it would be like to walk through life viewing world that way. He just saw everyone I meet is either on their way to an eternity of joy with God in heaven or they are on their way to an eternity of tragedy and sadness away from him. So I'll admit, it does, when you read John's word, John is so stark in his language. It sounds a little like, this, where's this guy come off talking about people that way, children of the devil? He learned to view humanity this way. Listen, by sitting at the feet of a bigot? No. Sitting at the feet of the most loving, most accepting, most compassionate person you can describe. He learned this from Jesus. So John would say, listen, it's important to be asking yourself, am, am, I, am I really a child of God? First, because it's easy to be mistaken about that. And secondly, because he would say, the answer to that question will tell you where you will spend eternity, right? with God or away from God. So let's get to the question, how do we know, how do we know if we are children of God? Let, let's just let the apostles' words speak for themselves today. Let me review some of what Jason read for us before. Verse 6, he says this, no one who lives in him, no one who lives in Christ, keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Verse 7, Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Verse 8, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Verse 9, no one who is born of God will continue to sin. Verse 10, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Now, would you agree with me those are pretty heavy words? They are. Let me remind you of something we pointed out a couple of weeks ago. John, the Apostle John wrote in very stark language. This is his pattern of communication. And we pointed out a couple of weeks ago that when John talks this way, you're with God, you're with the devil. You're in the light, you're in the dark. He was not suggesting that to be a Christian, you have to have attained some level of sinless perfection. And the reason I say that, do you remember chapter 1, verse 8 and 9? This same apostle wrote this. He said, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So John, as he's writing to these Christians, he knows he's writing to men and women who struggle, just like we do, with sin. All right? So when, when he talks this way, he's not talking about the perfection of your life. 
You say, well, what is he talking about? He's talking about the direction of your life. John would say, listen, if you have truly, you're not just fitting in, you're not just going through the motions, if you have truly come to know Christ, if you've truly been born of God, if you truly have become one of God's children, John would say the overall direction of your life will have changed. You're no longer going your way, following your commands, being the own boss of your own life. You've now somehow turned around and you are following Jesus. You're you're not as far down the road as you want to be. You're not as far down the road as you're going to be. But the direction has changed. You're following Christ now. What would that look like? Well, just think about what Jesus was like. Jesus, you know this, right? Jesus was very, very loving and compassionate toward those who are need, in need. So if you're following Jesus, you will find yourself being just increasingly caring about the poor, caring about the broken, caring about the outcast, caring about sinners. Jesus, uh, Jesus was very merciful. He was willing to forgive, even people who hated him. So if you're following Jesus, you will find yourself just with a growing willingness to share mercy with those who've hurt you to, to extend forgiveness to them. Jesus, you could also say this, Jesus was holy. He was a holy person, sexually pure, honest in his speech. He was, he was obedient to the law of God. If, you've, if you're following Jesus, you will find yourself on a path leading you into a, a deeper and stronger pursuit of holiness in your life. So John says, this is how we know who the children of God are. As he said in chapter 2, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So, the answer to the question, how do we know? How do we know if it's real? Listen, the telltale indicator of genuine spiritual conversion in your life is a growing likeness, a growing similarity to the character and compassion of Jesus. So let me ask you, do you find yourself becoming more and more like Jesus? That's the sign that something real has happened for you. Now, I think this should be encouraging for those of you who are disheartened by all the hypocrisy that you see in Christian circles. Do you ever get just kind of disheartened? Man, people call themselves Christians. Really? They act like that? It, it, it can wear you down. It should just encourage you to know that from the time of the apostles, from the time of Christ, they've always known that there would be people in Christian circles who are just kind of going through the motions. It's not real for them. Every, everyone, every generation, is, what's that old song by Mahalia Jackson? Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there, right? They just, the old timers knew this. Not everyone not everyone in the church knows Christ. So listen, if, if you are disheartened by hypocrisy that you see, don't, don't let that discourage you. Don't let someone else's phoniness take the real Jesus away from you, okay? So this ought to encourage those who are kind of disheartened by uh, hypocrisy. But I would also say that what, what John says here ought to be eye-opening for all of us who call ourselves Christians, I mean, you read a passage like this, you, you shouldn't just kind of read through that and turn the page. It should make you kind of stop and say, wait a minute. If, is what I profess to be my faith, is it real? Here's another way to ask that question. If it, if it becomes illegal tomorrow to be a Christian in this country, 
would they be able to find enough evidence to convict you, right? I mean, would there be enough real change in your life for them to, to, to lock you up? So, so let's say, um, what would the evidence be? Maybe they'd say this. You, you see that guy? You see, you see how he helps the poor? You see how he welcoming is toward, towards immigrants? He, that guy must be a Christian, right? Or you see that woman? You see how she, she does her work without complaining? I mean, her co-workers have been working with her for five years now. They've never once heard her badmouth upper management. She must be a Christian, right? Or do you see how that man's internet search history has, is so different than it was five years ago? I mean, the types of sites he was visiting five years ago, man, he still struggles, but it's just like there's been this radical change in, in, the, in the types of images he looks at. I bet he's a Christian. Lock him up, throw away the key, right? There's, there's evidence of change. So we all ought to be asking this question. Is there, is there evidence that I'm growing? Some things that, that's helpful for me because, you know, it's so easy to lie to yourself. Ask someone who knows you well, someone in your family. Am I becoming more tender? Am I becoming more patient? Do you see me becoming more courageous? You know, do you see, do you see the image of Christ slowly being formed in me? If, if the answer to that is yes, John would say, you're a child of God. So that's the question. How do we know if we really are God's children? Now, the, the second question is, what should we do if we discover that we're not? Now, I, I'm one of those people who grew up, I grew up in a very devout Christian family. My parents are very committed followers of Christ, very, very active members of, of their church. I'm one of these kids that just kind of grew up in Sunday school. I knew all the songs. I knew all the words. I could find everything in the Bible. So I, I just grew up thinking I'm a good little Christian, right? I remember the exact moment when I realized I wasn't. I, I could tell you the place is uh, 3315 West 42nd Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. I could tell you the exact room in the house. I could tell you the posture that I was in physically when it just, for me, it was just like this flash of awareness. I realized I didn't know Christ. Now, for many people, the, the, the realization is not that sudden. For many people, it's just more gradual. You just kind of realize, whoa, people around me, they seem to have something I don't have. But here's my question. What should a person do if he or she realizes, I don't have the real thing? I'm not really one of God's children. Well, you remember the guy I told you about at the beginning, the guy that was... Uh, the actor that got hired to be an extra at Law and Order because he had the police uniform, right? Let's, this did not happen to, to him, but let's imagine that he starts working as an extra on Law and Order. He goes to work every day, puts on his police uniform. He walks around acting like a police officer. And, and, and over time, as he does this day after day, he begins to think that he really is a cop. Because he looks like one. If you look in the mirror, he's got the shirt, he's got the pants, he's got the hat. He sees himself on television in the background. They just, he looks exactly like a police officer. So he begins to say, you know what? I think I really am a cop. Anyway, one day he's at work on the set of Law & Order. It's lunch break. He's, he's, he's sitting there eating a sandwich. And he hears someone yelling down the street, help, police, help, police. It's a bank robbery. They're holding hostages. And he says to himself, they need police. Well, that's me. And so he gets up and he's ready to respond. He reaches for his gun and it's plastic. 
He touches his badge. It's plastic. He says, well, who cares? I'm a cop anyway. So he tries to run toward the bank. But because, listen, he has no training in this, so fear just takes over. Instead of running toward the bank, he finds himself running in the opposite direction, away from the danger. He runs about three or four blocks. He falls to the ground. He begins to weep. And he says, it's not real after all. It's not real. It's not real. I'm not really a cop. Now, question. What does that guy need to do? Well, somebody says, I know what he needs to do. He needs to invest in a more realistic uniform. That's the problem. I mean, he got a cheap uniform. He needs to get like the real authentic with the patch and everything. That's, if he would just try harder to look like the real thing, he would be, listen, wouldn't, wouldn't it be absurd to answer that question like that? Why, because if, if you're not the real thing, it's not going to help you by trying harder to look like the real thing, right? And so did you notice in this passage from the apostle here, do you notice nowhere, nowhere in this passage, nowhere in the whole book of 1 John do you find the apostle saying these two words, try harder. He never says that. He doesn't tell his readers, and he was writing perhaps to a church thinking there may be some men or women who hear these words and they will realize that they are not truly children of God. He never instructs them to try harder. Like you don't read him writing here, God's children do not continue to sin, therefore you need to try to stop sinning. Or God's children love their brothers and sisters, therefore you need to try to be more loving. He doesn't say that. Why? Because if, if it's not real... No amount of trying to look real is going to help you. So according to John, the problem is not that they weren't trying hard enough. According to John, the problem was they had never met Jesus. That's what he says. For those who, who find that they're not, perhaps there's no evidence that they truly have been converted, John says, the problem is you've never met Jesus. Look at verse 5 and 6 with me. Would you look at those verses? I just want to read those. Verse 5 says this, but you know that he, he's talking about Jesus, he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And I'm just going to pause there for a second. Do you notice that John does not ever suggest we can take away our own sins? We can't do that, Right? Jesus can. So he says, He appeared that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. And then he says this, No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So John says, listen, the problem is not that people aren't trying hard enough. He says the problem is they've never seen him. They've never known him. You know, it's possible to see Jesus, to know him in a spiritual sense. So listen, and you could put the, the, the words off now, but if the problem is that a person has never seen Jesus or really known him, what's the solution? They need to see him. They need to know him. They need to meet Christ. Now, in, in verse 9, he says basically the same thing, but uses different language. He says the problem is they've never been born of God. No one who's born of God, he says, will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they've, they've not been born of God. So again, if the problem is that a person's not been born of God, what's the solution? Oh, they need, they need something to happen in their life that would be so amazing, so 
real and personal, they would feel as if they've been like born all over again. They would need that. So what should you do if you realize that maybe you're not or you fear that maybe you're not really a child of God? John would say that, listen, you don't need a better uniform. The solution is not to try harder to look like the real thing. He would say the solution, what you need, is something only God can do for you. You you need the Holy Spirit somehow to make Jesus so real for you that you feel like you've met him. You, you, You need the Holy Spirit to make God's living presence so real in your life that you feel like he's just been born again. You're a new person now. Okay. So how do I get that to happen? Ask. Let's pray. Father, it was prayed before in this service that we would learn true humility and that we are absolutely dependent on you. We can't do anything to change ourselves from children of the devil into children of God, but you can do that for us. So I would pray for anyone here today who might be beginning to realize that that hasn't happened yet, that you would graciously pour out your spirit on them. Give them this gift of faith. Stir within them a desire to cry out to you for this to happen and not to stop until it does. For those of us who for whom you've already done this. We, we have nothing, we have no way to respond except to be grateful. Thank you so much for welcoming us into your kingdom. We pray that you would be more and more forming within our lives true evidence that we've met Jesus, that more and more people who know us and watch us would see Christ in us. And we ask that all of these things you would do for your glory as we pray in Jesus' name, amen.